This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today I welcome Annie McKee to the show. Annie, welcome. Thank you, Caroline. It's great to be here. Oh, I am delighted that you're with me today and eager to chat with you about how to find fulfillment in life and work. And I'm really excited about your new research and your new book. And I want to dive right in to talk about what makes happiness and engagement seem elusive in today's workforce. As a career coach, I just hear this over and over again, that people are really unhappy at work. Caroline, that's such a great question, and I hear the same thing. In in my work with managers and leaders literally all over the world, even when people love what they do, you hear time and again, I just don't feel fulfilled. I'm not sure I can reach my potential. I've got these relationships that are really problematic, and I'm not as happy as I'd like to be at work. I really sort of got fed up with that a couple of years ago and started to really dig into why this is the case. What is wrong with us if we can't find fulfillment at work? Or what's wrong with our organizations or our managers? And it turns out that, first of all, happiness really is important. And a lot of times it gets short shrift in our in our conversations and in how we think about work. It's sort of a nice to have, some people think. We all know that's not true. In fact, happiness engagement lead to better performance and a better life. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it, it does, um, it, it makes me smile, but it makes me feel sad when I think about the people that realize that or, or that think that they don't deserve to be happy at work, right? That it's work, it's it's pain and suffering. And you and I are both believers in, yes, you can be happy at your workplace. So thank you for championing that. You talk so interestingly in the book about the pressure of always being on, you know, in this new digital world and how we we rarely give ourselves that that downtime. And you think that there's a real link to that and and to happiness and engagement in the workforce. Could you talk a little more about that? I absolutely can, Caroline. Overwork is a happiness trap. When we are working 24-7, week after week, month after month, and sometimes year after year, there is no way we can be happy at work, even if we actually do like our job. And you know, it's funny, Caroline, because when I started looking at the reasons people are unhappy in the workplace, it's really easy to say, well, it's because of my manager or this culture is toxic or I'm bored in my job. And all of those things can be true. And we really have to pay attention to them and make some changes. But the other thing is true is that sometimes we do it to ourselves. And the overwork trap is a perfect example of that. You know, it's not like we just say, oh, I'm going to work all the time and I'm going to ignore my family and the rest of my life. The pressures are really intense in our organizations these days, and they're only getting more intense as every day goes by. So it's kind of insidious. And over time, we can slip into the overwork trap. And as we do, we find that we become pessimistic when we used to be optimistic. We're tired, we're exhausted, and our relationships suffer. So true. You know, it it is a myth that uh, being a workaholic is a badge of honor. You know, it's really a badge of of silly because we we have permission to create boundaries if we give ourselves that opportunity. So thank you for addressing that. 
I also see, and you write about the fact that happiness and engagement are critical to performance and success in the workforce. So tell me more about that. Yes, and I'm sure our listeners know that. When we're happy and engaged and really excited about what we're doing, we want to give our all. Um, We don't mind that little bit of extra time and we don't fall into the overwork trap because we're actually focusing on doing the right things in the right ways and taking care of ourselves. It is, however, really important to recognize that it's not just about feeling good. There are actually some neurological reasons why our emotions and our attitude and our feelings about work matter. I mean, when it comes right down to it, our feelings, our moods, our emotions, our stress level impact how we think and the quality of the decisions we make, as well as the the types of actions we take and how well we do them. When we are upbeat and optimistic and enthusiastic and happy, frankly, we're smarter. And the opposite is also true. When we're cynical and fearful and disengaged and bored, our brains literally shut down. So if we need a business argument for why happiness and engagement are important, there you go. We all know it's important to our lives, but there's also a bottom line business reason to pay attention to how we feel about our work. You know what the aha moment for me was in reading your book? We're also more resilient when we're happy. That's fascinating to me. What, what, were your, what did your research reveal about that? Yes, you know, that's similar to some of the research that we've seen on on stress. When we are under a tremendous amount of stress for a long period of time, our health suffers. We've known that for decades, not only our mental health, but our physical health. And when we are managing stress well, when we have an optimum amount of stress, a great great challenge, but not too much, maybe peaks and valleys, sometimes it gets intense, but then things calm down a little bit and we feel fulfilled and we feel excited about our work and we feel hopeful about the future, then we're healthier. Our Psychologically and physically, we are healthier when we are approaching work with a deep sense of meaning and hope and optimism and when our relationships are really positive and powerful. Happiness is really an investment in our well-being. Happiness and well-being go hand in hand. I don't think it's possible to experience well-being for very long when we're unhappy, sad, and miserable. I think our listeners would agree. Absolutely. So Annie, what I love about your work is that it's it's different from a lot of the current self-help books that are out there. You really dive into practical strategies for increasing happiness. Tell us a little bit about your your insight and your research and maybe whet our appetites with with a few of those practical strategies. Caroline, I came to this work on happiness through a kind of an unusual path. Uh, my main focus is leadership and emotional intelligence. That's what I do with managers and leaders and employees and organizations. I help them develop their emotional intelligence, which in turn helps them to be better at their jobs and more effective contributors in their workplaces, as well as better managers and better leaders. What I discovered in my research, largely on leadership and emotional intelligence, is that some of the same skills that enable us to be successful at work also help us to be happier and more engaged in the workplace. And you know what, Caroline? It starts with self-awareness, understanding ourselves, 
What do we love? What matters to us? How do we want to have impact through our jobs? What kind of future do we want for ourselves and not just our career future, but our lives? And how does our job fit into that? Understanding how to build great relationships. Good relationships are a part of being happy in the workplace. So practically speaking, you can get a two for one, really, if you develop your emotional intelligence, particularly self-awareness and self-management, being able to control yourself in the face of stress and empathy, being able to actively read other people and build great relationships, you're going to become a better employee, a better manager, a better leader and you will build your capacity for experiencing work as more meaningful and for being happier on the job. So Annie, what's the message that you would share with leaders and managers in how they navigate their teams and their colleagues toward happier, healthier workplace environments? Because there's an opportunity for them to get involved and impact positive change. If you're a manager or a leader, Your number one job, in my humble opinion, is to create an environment where your people can be at their best and how they feel about their jobs, about the team, and about you is part of that equation. Uh, How they feel about the impact of their work, whether they feel they're making a positive difference or not, that's something that you can help contribute to by creating a climate where people feel recognized and valued and, and important. You know, sometimes managers and leaders all over the world actually don't think that much about the creation of the right kind of climate. We get so busy and we're under so much pressure that we forget to pay attention to job one, which is creating a climate where people can be at their best. Annie, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the three essential elements people must have in order to be happy at work. life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to learn more about. We want this podcast to serve you in all of your career and life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. I loved this part of the book where you talk about the three essential elements that we must have in order to be happy at work. And you explain in beautiful detail, purpose, hope, and friendships. Give us a little insight about those three areas. Caroline, when I decided to really look at what it takes to be happy in the workplace, I obviously looked at my own experience. There have been times in my life when I've been really into my job and really loving it, and there have been other times when it wasn't so great. I also read widely. People have been thinking about and talking about and writing about happiness for literally thousands of years, philosophers, religious scholars, and more more currently, psychologists, in particular, positive psychologists. So I asked the question, what is happiness? And as you can imagine, that is, there's kind of an elusive answer there because from different perspectives, you're going to get different answers. 
I went back to a lot of interviews I'd done with people in various uh, projects around the world. We literally had thousands of these and I read and I read and I read and I asked the question, what are people telling us they need in order to be happy? And you know what? It boiled down to three fairly practical things. I need to feel that my work is meaningful. I need to feel that my work is so meaningful that I actually want to get up and do it every day that I know I'm going to be able to live my values and have a positive impact. That's number one, a sense of purpose. The second thing I found that people would tell us, and I also agree with, is we need a positive vision of the future that's bigger than just our careers, that incorporates life and relationships and health and well-being and our jobs. We need to feel hopeful about the future. And by the way, it's not enough to grab onto our organization's vision, no matter how good it is. We need a personal vision of the future. And that's number two, hope leads to happiness at work. And finally, we need friends at work. There's this myth, Caroline, that we're not supposed to be friends with the people that we work with because then we can't be objective. And it's true that we have to keep some boundaries. I'm not advocating that you know, we have to go on vacation with people that we work with or even have dinner with them. What we do need is trust, respect, warmth, compassion, and a willingness to look beyond our differences and be curious about how we're the same and be curious about how we're different and to learn from each other. Friendships at work are the third element of happiness in the workplace that really do make does make a difference. You, you know what I love about those three areas? It gives uh, all of us as individuals in a work environment a responsibility and accountability to think about our own happiness, but it also empowers the leaders with whom we work to take part in that. So I think it's a synergistic relationship and everybody has a stake here in promoting individual happiness, team happiness, company happiness. So it's just lovely to see how integral um, the individual and the team and the leader relationship is in, in our happiness. It's really important to think about our own role in creating happiness for ourselves in the workplace. And as I said earlier, it's far too easy to point outside of ourselves at that bad manager or that colleague who's kind of annoying or things that have gone wrong in the organization and blame others or the situation for our own misery. I wouldn't say we should ignore those things. We've got to look at them honestly and try to improve. There's no question about that. But we also have to take responsibility for doing what we can to make ourselves feel better in the workplace, to look for purpose, to find a way to have impact, to look to the future and craft that vision and to build better relationships with our colleagues. If we're in a management position or a leadership position, we have the added responsibility, I think, of looking around us and asking the question, what can I do to ensure the people around me have opportunities to live their values, have positive impact, and feel that their work is meaningful? What responsibility do I have for painting a vision that is actually exciting to people? And what responsibility do I have for building great relationships with people, whether they report to me or my peers or my bosses? That is a great message for our global audience now, in fairness, there are some traps that we can fall into. You call them happiness traps. So help us understand what those are so we can navigate 
around those or through those accordingly. Recognizing happiness traps is really the first step toward being happy at work. Happiness traps are things we do to ourselves, sometimes unknowingly. We talked about one of them a little while ago, overwork, just simply working too much. Um, the little devices we carry in, carry in our pocket and the pressures of our organizations are going to drive us to start working from the moment we get up and not stop till we get to sleep and probably wake up in the middle of the night to look at our phones. Not a good idea. You can't be happy when you're working like that for a long period of time. Sometimes people get trapped in what seems like a good thing, like ambition. Ambition's great. It gets us up out of bed and it has us reaching for the stars. But if we find ourselves on that proverbial hamster wheel, just going round and round, you know, going for that next job, that next promotion, and it no longer matters when we get it, we're trapped. The journey has to be as rewarding as the destination. And if we're moving from one destination to another without celebrating, without essentially enjoying what we're doing, life becomes very, very empty and work no longer feels meaningful. All of this takes a lot of self-awareness, Caroline, which again, I think is the fundamental first step on the road to banishing happiness traps and being happy at work. Know yourself, understand yourself, know what matters to you, find ways to live your values at work. I agree with you 100%. And I'm, I'm also thrilled that you said, think about your personal values, right? It's not just the mission and vision statement that's on the poster and on the letterhead for your respective organization. What is your purpose, right? And, and how is your hope uh, guiding your life and your career? So thank you. Thank you for that. You know, as, as we wrap up, Annie, I'd love to get your personal take on how you navigate stress in your life, because you talk about how stress can be a happiness killer, which is not a surprise to the listening audience, but we all have different ways of dealing with stress. What do you do? How do you, how do you handle stress in your life? Well, that is a great question, Caroline. How do I handle stress? Well, first of all, I recognize that it really does impact me just like it impacts almost everybody I know. Stress is at epidemic proportions in our workplaces for sure and in our lives. So I pay attention to a couple of things. Number one, my physical health. I, I try to do the things that everybody tells you to do. Sleep well, eat well, and exercise. Get out in the fresh air. Go out into nature. Those things really do help me. And I try not to let them be last on the list. And then I try to pay attention to the quality of my relationships. For me, if my relationships get a little bit of you know, a little bit of friction, that's a sign to me that I might be under too much stress and I need to do something about it. And I pay attention to my mental health. You know, am I optimist or, or upbeat or am I, you know, getting a little bit pessimistic? Those are signs to me that I need to do something before it gets too bad. I love it. You're really honoring yourself and you're being proactive and you're taking control. Thank you. I hope so. I've tried to. I'm sure we all do. <laughs> It's a, it's a journey for sure. Annie, what a delight to have you on the show. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and, wisdom and expertise. I want to tell everybody about your book. It's called How to Be Happy at Work, The Power of Purpose, Hope, and Friendships. And of course, it's available on Amazon and all major book retailers. Annie, thank you so much. I learned a lot from you today, and I am grateful. Thank you, Caroline. I am too. This has been lovely. You take good care. 
And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and even better, leave us a review because that helps people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And as always, I want to give a shout out to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for the extraordinary work you do to make this show awesome for our audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.